With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, You don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Downtown, Peckle Park, a new beginning. Let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Baby says she want to go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies holler Padre gang. Yeah, that. And good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 178 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden, here with Jacob Zimmerman. It's been a while. Uh, for those that are new, Jacob is my cousin. He uh, was a pretty consistent uh, co-host, but then I was at St. John's University of New York, and so I was recording at some inconvenient times. Uh, but I'm back in San Diego, and so that makes it much easier for us to uh, record together and go live together, and so that's what we're doing today. Before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Gaglione Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. You can get it inside Petco Park during the season. You can get it at uh, the Mission Gorge and the Point Loma locations and visit gaglionebros.com to be their entire menu, the addresses, the phone numbers. I don't think I'm missing anything else. All that good stuff. All right, Jacob, how's it going? Uh, we just took well, not we, Padres just took three out of four in Milwaukee after didn't seem like they were going to win a game on the road trip, really. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, I'm glad to be back. You know, it's been a while. feels good to be back uh, on the show. Um, but it feels good to, you know, win a series on the road that didn't seem like we had it. You know, we almost blew a couple of them there at the end. Um, we did blow one, but it was good to get this final one here in Milwaukee. Yeah, they blew... <laughs> Today, for those that didn't watch the game, uh, 
Nick Martinez came in after Clev, and he had it for the first, like, four innings that he pitched. Then they came out there for a fifth inning, and he couldn't get an out. Then they brought in Robert Suarez, right? Or No, no, no. Yeah, they yeah. brought in Robert Suarez, and then Tim Hill. Um, with the bases loaded, Tim Hill gets out of it. They, you know, he pitches the ninth inning, shut out in there. I think he allowed one base runner, which allowed it to get to the 10th, where Kirby hit that three-run bomb uh, after Profar got a single. I want to put that out there um, to have an extra runner there. Azokar was on second. I think he got was by the way, on that check swing call in the ninth inning. Uh, but that doesn't matter. Padres end up winning. They're now 32, no, 33 and 21. I'm going to shortchange him a win there. 33 and 21 after getting swept by the Cardinals. And it just didn't feel like it was going to be a very successful road trip. And I still hesitate to say that this road trip was successful. Uh, they went three and four at the end of the day. They had a losing road trip. They got swept by the Cardinals. I don't think that's really a successful road trip, but what I'd label it, and I'll ask this to the audience, those that are in the chat here on YouTube, what would you say, if you could describe this road trip in one word, how would you describe the road trip? Like, how would you grade it? Like, I wouldn't say it was successful. I wouldn't say it was terrible because they ended up winning three yeah. games. I'd say it was fine. What, what would you I would say? I would say I would say that too. Um, I would I'd also like to add on kind of that um, it, it was good that we won on the back end of the road trip, you know. Um, so we have a little bit more momentum going up against this uh, upcoming Mets series because um, we're going to need it. They're a good team. Um, but I also had kind of like flashbacks um, towards the end of last year when you know when once we went on that road trip and we just did not win a game. Um, at the beginning of this road trip, I had flashbacks towards that, but. Uh, it was good that we won on the back end of it. I'd say that's that was the big takeaway for me. Yeah, uh, Anthony here in the chat says a C minus. I think that's a little harsh. They did just win three games in a row. I give um, it a B minus. I think. Yeah, yeah, I'd be, probably be around there because I do want to say it's not like they were playing the Orioles and the Pirates. Like they were playing the Cardinals and Brewers. Those are two good teams. Good teams. Yeah. There are just some wolves, you know that. Obviously, it could have went better. There were some points that they blew it when they shouldn't have. You know, Taylor Rogers and today, even though they got the win. And then that St. Louis series, uh, there were some, you know, Snell didn't. Uh, actually, wait, Snell pitched that series, right? I think he pitched better than he did the Philadelphia mm -hmm. series. Yep. Um, but overall, I mean, or yeah, Stephen Wilson, that's who it was that sucked in the St. Louis series. And that's kind of one that stands out to me. Uh, by the way, he wasn't sent down today. That didn't really make a whole lot of sense. We can get into that. Um, but first off, let's start with yesterday's game, and then we'll get to today's game. We are, again, we're going live here on YouTube on Sunday, June 5th. So if you're listening to it on Monday or whatever, just context. Um, I'm keeping Twitter open here just in case there's any comments that or any news that comes out. Um, but getting to uh, Saturday's game, the Padres end up winning this one 4 nothing. And after, I guess we could start with giving your reaction to Musgrove because you, you didn't get to do that. Because um, I went, I wasn't planning on doing an episode after that, but he had a no-hitter through uh, seven innings. 
and then seven and two-thirds innings, and then Wong gets the double. An amazing night there. And then on Saturday, they win 4 nothing. And I'll, I'll let you, you know, give your thoughts on Saturday's game and Musgrove, but Gore ends up going 15 consecutive scoreless innings in these last two starts. Uh, he went six shutout innings yesterday, 10 strikeouts, three hits, three walks. His ERA is now one five zero. I saw the Padres put out something on Twitter yesterday that he's the only pitcher since 1913, uh, which Dang. all I know is that's good. Uh, that's with fun. five strikeouts, a one five zero ERA in his first nine starts. So think of all of those pitchers, right? Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw. Just start naming names. Name a few names, Jacob. Since 1913. All the way back to Cy Young. I mean, you know, all the way back then, you know. Um, I mean, Max Scherzer, as you said, Jacob DeGrom, like all these big, good, good guys. And Mackenzie Gore is sitting by himself pretty much now. So, yeah. And that, that's what and, impressed me. Yeah. And that just kind of talks, I mean, that just shows how good Mackenzie is. And it's kind of laughable that he didn't win the rookie of the month last month in, uh, yeah. what was that, May? Look, uh, who was that? Luis Castillo, I think is his name with the Giants. I know he hit over it 300, yeah. but like Gore was dominant. Like, yeah, he's as, I know he's like an all star right now. Yeah. And I know as a hitter, like, yeah, you're you're going to fail all the time. But like Gore, he's succeeding. He succeeded pretty much the whole month. Uh, I went through stats on the last last episode about what Gore uh, had done in that month. But he pitched amazing. And then Crony. Had an RBI double down the left field line, a two-run homer to right field. And that was just the start of his amazing weekend in Milwaukee. Uh, maybe he just likes hitting there on the weekends, or he had some brats before the game, or I have no idea. This guy, That's Milwaukee, he, he's back. Uh, Rodgers had scoreless ninth inning, and then the Pops win, obviously, 4 nothing. They improved to 32-21 and 21 before getting their 30th, 33rd win of the season today. Uh, so, I guess... Just give your thoughts on that game, and then uh, you can talk about Musgrove as well, because I know you didn't get a chance to talk about that. Well, I was uh, talking about the Musgrove thing. Um, I was excited because that was I was watching that game, and unfortunately, the first no hitter I wasn't able to watch because uh, I believe I was at a football game. You know, I was back in high school. Um, but this one, I was excited. You know, I wasn't really sure if, you know, he would make it. You know, the high pitch count. I was wondering if, like, fatigue might start going in, you know, in the ninth. But then, you know, the Padre killer this series, Colton Wong, um, ended it for me, ended that hope for me. So um, it, it was it was a fun game to watch, though. Um, I was we, – we have to pay that man at the end of the day. That's all I have to say about that. Um, and then going into Gore, uh, that was the game I watched from start to finish. Um, he did have a high pitch count, I noticed, uh, through like about five innings, five, six innings, um, over 100 pitches. But um, he was striking out everyone, making everyone, you know, Looked foolish with the high velocity. Um, didn't give up a whole lot of base runners either. Um, and, you know, he just looked dominant. He looked like a future ace of this team. That's uh, at the end of the day, that's, you know, all you want to see from a young guy like that. Um, and then, you know, going into the MVP of this series, in my opinion, uh, Jake Cronenworth. Um, feels like he's starting to bounce back. Feel like we're getting that Jake Cronenworth back from last year, uh, hopefully. Um but it was just nice to see, you know, a bunch of extra base hits, especially that big one today and uh, yesterday with the home runs. Um, yeah, it was just it was just a good end of the series, the, these last three games. Yeah, and uh, you talk about Musgrove and him having to be paid. I had this discussion 
uh, that when was that Thursday? No, Friday night. Thursday was the collapse by Rogers. Uh, but he's back, by the way. Whatever. Yeah. He's thrown two shutouts the last. I think it was back to back games. Yeah, yesterday and then today, when he came in. So that's the non-story. It always was. Uh, but with yeah. Musgrove, I talked about him getting twenty-five plus million a year, probably on a free agent market. Um, you know, Jack Stronach went to Helix, the Padres prospect. He was saying, give him whatever he wants when I talked to him uh last week, I believe. Like, okay, let's put on our GM hat, or Jacob, you put on your <laughs> GM hat or your owner hat. If you're Peter right. Seidler, like who I guess all I can ask is how much money would you give this guy and would you be okay with letting him hit free agency? I think I know the answer to it, but go ahead. Oh, well, I mean, there might be a little bias here as a, you know, San Diego homer, um, you know, the guy that delivered our only no hitter, um, the guy who's been leading our rotation this year, I believe. Um, I'd give him up to 30 million, to be honest, in my opinion. Um, if It probably won't reach that much, but I'd give him close to, I think, 28 uh, per year, if that's what it takes. I feel like it could have been um, a little bit less earlier in the year, you know, when we offered him, I think, 11 million. Um, I think that was a little disrespectful on Preller's part. Um, but right now, um, he's pitching like a Cy Young, um, all star at the very least. I would, there's no question, I'm not letting him hit free agency. Um, I'm doing whatever it takes to keep him. If, if that means going to 30 million, that's what it means. Is it for like like if you say thirty million like because thirty million over eight years that's now two forty am I doing that math right yeah I think that yeah. that's that's not I don't think that's happening but thirty million over I would do five a short years period, maybe five years four or I would five say, years yeah. yeah I think mm-hmm. I hope it's not going to have to get to that and if it's an extension I don't think it's going to have to get to that but. In terms of an extension, like if you're if the Padres are going to let him get to free agency, at least put a twenty plus million dollar extension out there, yeah, you in the atmosphere, like and to his agent and say, okay, we're going to try. Here you go. We'll we'll match may or maybe we'll match an offer if mm-hmm. you don't take this extension. He you go to free agency. And maybe we'll match what the Red Sox or whoever offers him that money will offer, you know, that they'll offer, they'll match that. I think you could mm-hmm. see them do that if they don't want to try to overpay for him in an extension, if that makes sense. But yeah, there's no doubt this guy, he should probably be starting the All Star game if it was my vote. I know it's yeah. at Dodger Stadium and the manager, so it's Brian Snitker because they won last year. Um, so at least it's not Dave Roberts because we know that then he Musgrove wouldn't, wouldn't be starting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, so I guess that's good. But yeah, I, I think he's definitely a starter. You should be in the All Star game right now with Scherzer hurt, with Degrom hurt. That definitely helps. Uh, and yeah, definitely pay the man as Manny says and Hawes has said and everyone if in Manny the city. Said, you have to do it at the end of the yeah. day, in my opinion. It's yeah, it, pretty much everyone is saying it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And then Gore, he, I think, is the rookie of the year right now. Luis Castillo, I'm not, I don't follow him on a daily basis or whatever. It seems like his numbers are fine. But Gore, I, maybe it's unfair, Gore. but is it okay for at least Padre fans to 
keep into account what he did last year and how he sucked in spring training, couldn't get out of innings, was walking everyone, and now all of a sudden he's the best starters in the National League. And he would be the best starter ERA-wise if he had like five more innings unbuilt to qualify for that amount, you know, the ERA leaders or whatever at this point in the season? I mean, I don't think that's uh, overreaction. I mean, as we literally talked about like less than 10 minutes ago, you know, he's making history since 1913. That's that's ridiculous. Um, And I feel like not enough people are talking about that. I mean, when you see like um, on Twitter or Instagram that I feel like not enough people are talking about that outside of Padres Twitter um, of how – like dominant Gore has been and you know how much uh how much work not not work but progress he's made in such a short period of time um last year people didn't know if he would be called up this year due to you know the walks and the control and you know he, he just wasn't he didn't look good for you know didn't he drop out of the top 50 prospects this uh past year yes yeah. I think it was um, like 80 or something yeah yeah that's that's crazy and now he's pitching like as we said, he's pitching like an ace. You know, as you said, if he has five more innings, um, he would be one of the best in the National League. And I think that not enough people are talking about it. And I don't think it's an overreaction for Padres fans to be talking about it as much as they do. Mm-hmm. And so that was Saturday. Uh, talked a little bit about Musgrove and how he did on uh, Friday. And this series, four-game series, it felt like a really long time. Um, yeah. Today... I mean, a lot happened today, um, pregame and some news about Eric Lauer. I don't know if you saw that, about his his comments about the Padres organization. I can pull that up. I mean, holy yes, cow, a lot happened. Um, we'll talk about the game, but I did want to talk about the move that happened prior to today's game, uh, and then some Fernando Tatis Jr. news, and then the Eric Lauer news. and. Let's see. I just want to load this Eric Lauer news up real quick so I can have it right when I want to talk about it. Because I think Kevin Acey wrote this. I have no idea where, if it was a newsletter or something, but I think he I think he wrote it. It looks like it was from the Union Tribune. Uh, but we'll talk about that, um, and I'll share my screen about that. Uh, but on pre-ga- for pregame Sunday, the Padres sent down Brent Rooker, and this was a couple days after bringing him up and they sent him down to make room for uh Clev Clev started today went 3 innings uh I thought he was going to go more I said on the pregame show 4 to 5 innings cuz that's what he was doing all season or not all season he's had like 3 starts but you get what I'm saying um but we'll get to that but with this Brent Rook news I mean he felt like he was going to be this kind of like platoon bat with Nomar Mazzara, Rooker's a righty, Mazzara's a lefty. Both guys have power potential. Will Myers is on the IL. It just felt like, okay, those two will fill in in right field. And so for them to bring Rooker up, have him not play, and then bring him down, when they knew that they were going to activate Clev today before the game for him to start today, who's a pitcher, and you send down a hitter, that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, if you're going to send down Rooker a couple days after you bring him up and he's not playing, why'd you bring him up in the first place? If you're going to, it just felt like the obvious choice would have been like Steven Wilson, who is, hasn't pitched in a while and he's struggled the last couple times. Like 
put him in the leagues then. Like, if you're not using him, why do you have him on here? And um, you could make the same argument with Rooker. You know, like, if you're not using Rooker, you're not going to use him. Why have him on the roster? But you're bringing in a pitcher, so send down a pitcher. That's what I thought. Um, did you think the same thing? Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit it head on. Um, at the end of the day, you need bench bats, uh, especially if you're going for matchups. Like, as you said, Mazzara is good, you know, when you want to bring it in against a righty because he's a lefty. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with Rooker the other way uh, versus a lefty. Um, I feel like it's it's just smart um, to have as many bench options, um, with especially with how many extra inning games we go into. Um, you never know when you're going to need a bench bat. You don't want to pull a, a tingler last year where you had to, you know, use your whole bench. Uh, that was ridiculous. I can't believe that happened. Um, but I feel, yeah, at the end of the day, it was it would just be smarter to pull down a pitcher that you're not even using, um, get him some work in the minors. Yeah, you talk about that tingler game, the game I went to, and it was 16 innings, yeah. and uh, Weathers and Musgrove and I think Snell were all hitting, and they were hitting not in the nine spot. They were hitting as pinch hitters as, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. between Crony and Manny, or after Manny and Crony. Like, what are we doing? I'm glad Sorry, that we, we have Bob Melvin, but yeah. let's just put it that way. Uh, all right, we hit on the Rooker news there with Tatis. I saw in Kevin Acey's newsletter this morning um, that Tatis is going to have a bone scan tomorrow. Uh, for his wrist, and that'll determine if he can start swinging the bat and the timeline on that. Uh, So I definitely hope, and we all hope, he hopes the organization come from that scan. Good news did not come from it uh, last time, or at least as good as what they thought. So they held off on that. Fernando's been with the team on the road trip, fielding, base running, all that sort of stuff. Uh, which is good. He's been doing that for a while, though. He's throwing all that. Um, but yeah, wait. it's not really a, a whole lot of anything to talk about with the bone scan. It's just a piece of news to you know put out there Nothing, and to yeah. look for uh, going into tomorrow and before Monday's game against the Mets. And we'll preview that series a little bit at the end here. Just look out for that news, and hopefully the news is good and. Bob Melvin will tell reporters tomorrow, hey, Fernando's going to start swinging the bat tomorrow or whenever. Um, all right, so that's the Tatis news. And then today, Eric Lauer was on the mound for the Milwaukee Brewers. I think this was the first time that he faced the Padres as a Brewer. I don't remember any other time that he did. It started off good. But before we get to his performance, there was something that came out. I saw this on Twitter. Uh, someone screenshotted it on Twitter. And share the screen. Hopefully, it'll um, load here. Hold on one second. For the YouTube audience, I'm sharing the article, part of the article that um, a fan screenshotted and put on Twitter. And for the podcast audience, I'll pretty much read it and we'll talk about it. So, uh, Manny Machado, what is this username? Manny Machado Propagandist. All right. Uh, <laughs> One of those young boy media profile bios. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, they are the one that tweeted this screenshot out, so I want to give credit to them. All right. Let's change the format here so it's not there's not a white line in the middle of the screen. Yeah. I can read around it. Oh, no, there we go. That's perfect. There we go. Okay. Back to my old format. All right. 
So this came out. I know this is small. Here, let's see if I can increase the size. We get a zoom. No, it's oh, not even oh. gonna work. No, nope, not even gonna work. We're just gonna read it then. All right. So this was from I think the UT and Eric Lauer. Obviously, he did He wasn't great with the Padres, and they pretty much say it all here. So I'll just read it. Lauer was starting to feel at home in San Diego and felt very comfortable with his teammates when he was dealt. But Lauer also felt that something wasn't quite right. Uh, a, quote, really weird feel, a weird vibe, end quote, as he put it, within the Padres organization. At four years old, already had two years of big league experience. And along with current teammates, Luis Arias and Hunter Renfro, he had been one of the team's top prospects before debuting, but felt a connect in the team message once he reached the majors. This is Lauer here. They were always kind of weird because in the minor leagues, they told us all like, oh, you guys are the future. You're the next wave. You, you guys are going to be the big leaguers we build the team around. Lauer said that after his first call-up in 2018, the message shifted. Quote, it was weird because once we got to the big leagues, it was kind of the opposite. It was like they didn't care about us and they didn't care about developing us. So it was a really weird deal. They told you how good you were, and then all of a sudden you weren't good anymore if you didn't produce immediately upon going up to the big leagues. Lauer continued. Uh, this was the writer. Lauer continued, but only after mentioning he didn't want to come across as bashing his former organization. He simply wanted to share his side. Uh, this is Lauer again. A lot from it's from the top down. The way it feels like they viewed you. Um, this is him talking about how he felt the disconnect, the disconnect, and like who was the person doing the disconnect. Uh, because when it constantly feels like you're constantly being looked down on because you're either a young guy or people don't think you know how to do your job, you start to pick up on that vibe. All right, so there's a lot said there. And yeah, I'll, leave, I'll leave that up uh, for you guys here in the comments. Give your thoughts. Feel free in the comments about what that was. That was really surprising here when I read this. Just him you know, pretty much saying that they didn't really care about you, uh, the Padres. Or at least that's the sense that he got, that they didn't really care. You know, once he reached the big leagues and it was kind of like, okay, kind of, you know, fend for yourselves. That's what essentially was being said there by Lauer. And this isn't like the first story. Like I don't have specifics on other stories, but I know this hasn't been the first of former Padres not having, you know, the best things to say about the Padres development and their farm system people and Preller and stuff like that when they're gone. Uh, you, this wasn't Ty France, but just one thing where Ken Rosenthal wrote last year that before the 2020 deadline, Preller t literally told Ty France weeks before the deadline that he was going to be a big part in the organization. And then he ends up getting traded and now he's probably an all-star. Um, there's that. And then Eric, Eric Lauer here saying this and how it felt like he wasn't really cared about uh, once he reached the big leagues and he wasn't performing. That's not great. That is not great news. I, I, I know they made changes last offseason with the farm system and I think the scouting director and all that. It wasn't, there might have been one or two firings. Um, most of it was just rearranging of the chairs, if you will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, 
but yeah, this this definitely was surprising. I mean, not surprising to see, but surprising to hear a player just openly say this. Usually yeah. it's like sources or something like that. Um, or, you know, anonymous Padre, former Padre. Uh, but I, I guess I respect, you know, the upfront, the upfront honesty from Eric Lauer. Yeah. Um, and Jacob, just I guess your thoughts on this. It's not a good look on Preller and the organization. And I know Preller, before you go in here, I mean, I know has that, right, the history of dealing guys and always floating his players out there. but. Mm-hmm. That's different from not caring about someone's development, even when they're in the major leagues and they're not maybe pitching as well as you would have hoped. You don't give up on them. You continue to try. Yeah, I mean, um, it's a little concerning to hear because of, um, you know, as we heard last time with Ty Francis, you mentioned, um, as you know, he said he was going to be a big part of the team moving forward and then he's gone just like that. Um, Eric Lauer maybe felt that there was some sort of miscommunication. Maybe that's kind of what it sounds like to me that um, there was a message that came across that wasn't maybe what the team wanted their players to, you know, see it as, but that's what they did see it as, as Lauer came out um, and said, I, it's a little, I don't know. It's a little worrying considering, um, you know, how many good prospects we've had and how many have been, shipped off now and are doing well in other organizations. Um, but I mean, you also look at the prospects we do have, um, Gore, he's came up, he's done amazing. Um, Abrams is killing it in, uh, El Paso struggled a little bit in the majors, but, um, was killing it in El Paso. Um, so I, I'm not really sure if it's something due to the staff when they were here. Um, that's kind of what it sounds like to me. Um, but it's a little, it was a little concerning to hear that considering, you know, it was under Preller, um, and, you know, Preller probably had a big part in the message that came across like that, you know? Yeah. And you mentioned Gore. I don't know how much that was the Padres development people. I think that a lot of that was Ruben Niebla, um, Abrams. Is there a whole lot of development for them to really do with him? Like he's just a Tatis freak of an athlete. He just, mm-hmm. I just think it's him that needs more experience, you know, in the minor leagues. I agree, yeah. Um, so I get the point there, but there's a lot of guys that Preller has given up on. Um, and maybe that's... Early, too. Yeah, and maybe maybe it's him feeling the pressure to win and saying, okay, I'm going to go get Clev. I'm not saying... This, these are just examples I'm throwing out there of guys. But like Clev and going out and getting Nola and saying, okay, Mejia... Hedges, they're not working. I know Hedges wasn't there then, but they weren't working. Let's go get Nola. And that hasn't worked out probably as the way that they would have hoped. You give away Ty France. You give away Andres Munoz. You give away um, Luis Torrens, right? And he was, mm-hmm. he's been hitting pretty good. I know he hit pretty good last year. So it, it just feels like a lot of jumping the gun, and maybe that's the, his the pressure that he feels. I don't know why he would feel that pressure, though, unless it's just the internal pressure to win. Because from what we've heard from Peter Peter Seidler, I don't know who Peter is. Sorry, that's not his brother. (laughs) Peter Seidler. All we've heard from him is pretty much I have a lot of confidence in AJ. He literally said before the season, it's not a must-win year, which kind of pissed me off, quite frankly. I agree. So I don't feel like Preller's getting the pressure from – 
Seidler, and especially since Seidler took the full ownership over Ron Fowler. So maybe, and Fowler was the owner in 2020 when he made all those moves at the deadline, Preller that is. So it could be just him feeling internal pressure and really wanting to win. And of course he does, that's his job. But it's not a good look getting back to the Lauer conversation of seemingly not caring about prospects or guys that are at the big league level now that aren't working out. Like, And I guess it's another thing to add uh, about Preller. And, you know, when the team has been winning and it's getting better, you know, he's spending more time at with the big league team. But he's a scout at heart. And so maybe part of it is how Lauer is feeling is that Preller went and scouted and wasn't with the team all of the time. And so that maybe got came off as, okay, he doesn't care about us. He's yeah, scouting he's 17, 18-year-olds in high school instead of trying to help develop us and talk to us. Again, I wasn't in the clubhouse. I wasn't there. But that's just something that I would think about just based on, uh, you know, the past experience. Anything else mm-hmm. to add on that? No, I, I just think it – it's not a good look for when a player comes out openly and just says that um, I don't, it, it's a little worrying. That's, that's all I can really say. Um, considering how much we've given up that at the end of the day, you know, this is what we have. We're in a win now mode. Um, and I think that's a big part of what Preller was thinking when he got rid of all the prospects. He wants to win. Right. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I don't fault him for it, but no, he, he, I don't think win. he's done it. There's definitely been some moves that he probably regrets. All right. 100%. Moving on to Sunday. Obviously, Rooker was sent down. Clev was brought up. Clev ended up going three, one run, one walk, two, struck out five, one, six to four. Martinez came in. Suarez came in. Hill came in. Rogers came in. Um, So a lot of guys pitched. And this looked like it was going to be a good win. Then it looked like, uh uh-oh. This is Thursday all over again. And then it was another good win. So it was up and down, up and down. Um, yeah. Bottom of the first, Wong hit the home run on Clev's second pitch. Wasn't a was great a start. Too. Yeah. Um, it just I, wasn't. He hit a spot. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess, I guess, yeah, a home run's a home run still. That's true. Um, with Clev, you know, at the beginning there, he was get. It felt like he definitely was getting more comfortable as the start went on, right? He, I agree. Yeah. Because at the beginning, he was throwing fastballs outside and up. He just didn't feel totally comfortable. He was slipping on the mound a couple times. I don't mm-hmm. really take anything into that. Um, but I mean, overall, yeah. Am I surprised that he only went sixty pitches? I thought he was going to go four or five innings. That's what I said on the pregame show, and he ended up going three innings. Was some of that because the start of his outing wasn't great? Was some of that because they had Nick Martinez coming in after him? Maybe a combination of those things. And he had 15, was it 15 days? It was since like May 17th since he had started last. He didn't have a rehab a start. He didn't have a yeah. rehab start. So he had the <clears throat> the triceps injury, meaning... <laughs> Just go play shortstop at batting practice for a couple weeks. Um, I yeah, don't think he was hurt. I don't think he was hurt. Not. I was at Petco. Jacob was at Petco. He was going around as normal. Um, now, maybe one day he woke up. Oh, 
I feel a little pain here in my triceps. I'll tell the training staff, and the training staff's like, yay, let's put him on the IL. Put let's save IL, some innings. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's save some innings later in the year. How about this, Bomel? Huh? I think this is a good idea. Yeah. Maybe that happened. I don't think he was hurt. But he, he was getting more comfortable. Um, he gave up that one run to Wong. Wong ended up homering later uh, in the day. We'll get to that. In the top of the third, this ended up maybe being huge. They ended up winning the game, so I guess it wasn't, like, huge, huge. But Jace Peterson in the third, uh, I'm so tired of that guy. Uh, good thing we're done with him for the regular oh season. Obviously, he had that big hit off Taylor Rogers on Thursday, and uh, shouldn't have even today. faced him, by the way. But um, And then today, top of the third, he had that diving play down the baseline, taking notes from Manny. Uh, kept it one nothing Brewers there, and that would have scored a run. That I thought that was going to be huge, especially when the uh, Brewers came back, tied the game, and it was like, oh, no. You're just looking back at that play. Uh, I think Nola hit that. Austin Nola, out of all people, holy cow! Yeah. Alfaro should be the starting catcher right now. I agree. I mean, later in the game, I don't know if you saw or anyone in the chat saw that botched catch that he had or didn't make on. I forget if it was a breaking ball or something. It was a strike, and it was end up it ended up being called not a strike because he oh, yeah. dropped it. And it just wasn't pretty. Anyway, top of the fifth. Uh, the Padres, I think, showed that they're a good team. They took advantage of the other team's errors and miscues, right? That's what good teams do. They take advantage of those. Grish, don't know what he was doing. Should have been caught in a pickle. Um, uh, Milwaukee shortstop. I don't know who the shortstop was. I forget his name. Reyes? Yeah, he, he, dropped a, he dropped a throw getting to third. Profar drove him in after that. Made it 1-1. Crony had an RBI single to right, made it 2-1. Void had a sacrifice ground out, made it 3-1. But then it seemed like it seemed like things um, were going well. Nick Martinez had four shutout innings. Yeah. And then Bo Mel, yeah, he looked really good. The changeup was good as always. Mm -hmm. And then Bo decided to send Martinez out there for that fifth inning. And I don't really understand that. You had, yeah, you had Garcia, you had Suarez, you had, I know Garcia to be back-to-back -back days, I believe. Rogers, obviously. You had enough guys that could come in. Um, I think Nick Martinez did his job. The four innings, he did his yeah. job. I don't know why you had to send him out again. Now, obviously, that's in hindsight for us to say here. Um, but I didn't really like that decision. Because he already had gone those four innings. And in the eighth, he allowed a single, gave up the home run to Wong. Uh, Wong's second homer of the day. Martinez finished with four innings of work, four-plus innings, two runs, four hits. Didn't walk any. Struck out four and gave up that home run to Wong. And he was good. I'm not going to totally criticize him and say, oh, man, that's that giving up that home run really sucked. I mean, I just don't think he should have been in the game. Like, he did his job through those four innings. Think his job was done. No, exactly. I mean, he he was on a it was a it was a piggyback start. You know, he was if you combine them two, they went seven innings. That's that's a good start. Um, and I think that you know it, they start we're starting to figure it out. It looked like you know after the single, I would have maybe had a mound visit and just you know 
maybe consider taking him out. But honestly, he shouldn't have even gone out, in my opinion, when you had that many people ready to go in the bullpen. You know, um, Tim Hill was even available, as we said. Uh, there, there were options besides Nick Martinez who did his job. You know, he was he had a great start or great pig, piggyback start. I don't, I don't know what you would call that. Um, he did his job. And, you know, asking him to go another one, I feel like that was – I felt like it was kind of pushing it, um, even though he did look very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, when Robert Suarez came in, it's kind of like, okay, if Robert Suarez is coming in, he's a righty. Nick Martinez is a righty. So why not just start Suarez in that inning? It's not like you brought in a lefty because of matchups and you were planning on having Martinez, a righty, start the inning and bring in a lefty like that. That's not what happened. Um, Suarez came in, allowed a single, two walks, wasn't good, loaded the bases, two outs. And um, Tim Hill came in, and he was huge. By the way, my mom comments here, what was the throw down for nothing? I think from Nola. No idea. Maybe he – I think there was a lefty at bat, and he threw it down. Yeah, he didn't, after the strikeout. No idea what was happening there. I, yeah, he was seeing – Anthony, yeah. Nola was seeing yeah. ghosts of runners. No idea what he was doing there. Um, but with Tim Hill – Holy cow, this guy. Just get up, monster drink, come in. <laughs> eighth inning, or was it eighth That's, inning? No. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, eighth inning. Yeah. Automate came in. With and uh, and uh, to finish off the eighth, he was huge. Suarez threw more ball strikes, by the way. When Hill came in, he got Jace Peterson to pop out to Kim at short and came uh, back out for the ninth. I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah. Because Tim Hill's known as a matchups guy. Like, that's mm-hmm. just who he is. It felt like he was going to finish the inning, and okay, that's his, that's his role. Um, he ends up coming back out. Now, I, told, I guess I understand, like, in terms of pitch count, why he came back out, because he hadn't pitched in a while, and feel free to throw him out there. Um, yeah. But in terms of his role in the team, I do admit a little surprised about that. But he came in, had the shutout ninth inning, which led to the tenth inning, um, with Azokar on second, Profer had the single to I think right field, and then Crony comes up, hits a home run, a three-run bomb, his second home run in as many days, and holy cow, did they need that? I mean, that was huge. Yeah, I, I was. I went into the game on the pregame show. I was like, yeah, okay, I'd be fine with the series split. That's what I was would have been fine with going into the series or that's what I was fine with going into the series. And so if they lost, okay. But then when the game starts and you're up three to one, it's like, no, they need to win this game. And for them to end up winning this game and crony was pumped up, everyone was pumped up. And it's not just that they won the game, uh, six, four, they Milwaukee did end up scoring a run, um, against Rogers in that ninth inning or 10th inning. It wasn't an earned run because there was a runner on second to start the inning, which I still think is the dumbest freaking rule yeah. ever. Um, anyway, uh, the, what was I saying? Um, Crony. It's not just that they won, but it's that Cronenworth seems like he's back now. And with Tatis yeah. out probably for another few weeks, because he's got a lot to do. One, the scan has to go right tomorrow. And then yeah. he has to hit off First the tee, flips. Batting practice. I was talking about this with my mom while we were watching the game. Batting practice, 
live BP, rehab games. Who knows how long they want to do the rehab games. So it's going to be a process. And with Tatis out, you can't count on Kim. Profar's had good at-bats, but he's not. I guess, you know what, I'll just leave Profar in the good category. Be nice to that. Um, let's say, okay, so Profar, Manny, and then Cronoworth, let's say, is hot. You have him. Mm-hmm. You have who else is? Voight's been pretty good. Yeah, Voight. I still am hesitant to ever put him in any good category <laughs> just because of yeah. just striking out a lot. Uh, I mean, Mazar, if they freaking played him, like, you bring him I mean, up, he he led the PCL in batting average on base percentage, and no, we're afraid to have him play against less. Um, I don't understand that. I mean, as far, yeah. I guess you could put Azokar in that good category, but, like, he doesn't play every day, you know? Um, oh, yeah. So, Hosmer, no, he's not in the good category. He... His batting average is now below 300 and in a matter of like a couple weeks, a few weeks, it's went from like 390 to below 300. Uh, he had yeah. a great swinging bunt today for a sack bunt, if you guys didn't see that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and he still doesn't know how to pick at first base. Uh, he somehow is doing it with his eyes closed. I don't get that. That's what you do in Little League. I don't get, get this. Yeah. Anyway, um, so you pretty much have like three guys that I'd confident in, and they're the top three in the lineup. And so if Crony is uh, back, that's huge for the dang, that's huge for the lineup um, oh, yeah. because you know what he can do. It's not just the power, and he's not even known as a power hitter. It's the line drives. He's fast. Yeah, he is sneaky fast. Um, obviously the defense, but I'm talking about at the plate. How big of an impact if Crony's back? I mean, this, this could win them games. We've seen it the, the two games. It's won them the two games. Yeah, I mean, if Cronenworth's back, I mean, I feel like before, um, you know, Cronenworth's been back, I guess you could say, um, I only, in my opinion, I only really could depend on Manny Machado. I felt like that was the only guy confident um, if he stepped up to the plate with runners in scoring position that we would score a run. Um, You know, nine out of ten times, that's who I was confident with. But, you know, if Cronenworth's starting to heat up, you know, Profar, I don't really like him at – leadoff I feel like that's not a leadoff hitter but you know if at the end of the day that's what we got right now um he, he's he's getting at bats you know he got a hit today so sure but if Cronenworth can add that um and if he can add that extra base hit capability that he has and that he showed me these past couple games um that would be ginormous for this lineup that you know is it was really it was really bad you know we had a lot of players under 200 the majority of the batters batting under 200 um but like if 2018. Did, yeah, it it was awful. It was, you know, I'm at I'm at the games every home game. It, it's it's awful to watch. It's not fun to watch. Um, but if Cronenworth, you know, we can enter into the Crone Zone as you know Don likes to call it. Uh, I feel like that it would just it would add so much to this lineup that just needs it so bad. Yeah, and my mom says, so you think Grisham's the expendable player? No, 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 no. Um, I still believe in Grisham. There's some that don't. And even if I didn't believe in him, I still don't think he's really expendable. Like, I don't know how much value he has on the trade market right, right now. And when you look at the outfield, yeah, you could have power hitting outfielders with Rooker. I know he's not on the roster right now, but him, Mazzara, uh, Myers when he comes back, and then Profar. But you're going to put a Zokar in center field every day? I don't know. I'm fine with that. 
but I think the Padres still like having that left field bat, whether it's at the bottom of the order or at the top of the order, if he ever gets consistently hot again. Um, I think they feel that that's appealing to them. And with the control that he has, I don't think they're willing to give up on him yet. I think people that are more expen- that are more expendable in trades are guys like Lamette or like um, oh, for sure. Weathers for like a Joey Gallo or someone that is a free agent at the end of the year who like just doesn't have value right now. And the team that he's on would probably be happy to have him gone, you know, that, yeah. that sort of thing. I, I, I want to add on to that, uh, that question. Um, I feel like Grisham's been kind of trending upwards these past couple days as well. Um, I feel like the series kind of showed that, you know, we can, we've seen glimpses of uh, what he can be, you know, maybe he's not the leadoff hitter, but he's still a liable bat. Um, he's still a really good defender, even though, you know, he does make some questionable decisions. Sometimes um, people forget he won a gold glove in 2020. Um, I know it was only a 60 game season, but you know, it was still a gold glove at the end of the day. He's a good, good defender. Um, he's got a good bat. You know, he's had a couple clutch moments this year, I would say. And I feel like he's not someone that Preller is willing to trade for the value he's currently got, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, what is this username? Ib Henriksen? Ib Henriksen. All right, cool. Uh, he says, at least Hosmer helped out in April and May when the team wasn't hitting at all. Well, he, I mean. He's done he, that every year. He, he helped out. He helped out a little bit in May, uh, but let's not say that he was Willie Mays or Barry Bonds in May. Uh, I mean, look at his splits. I've I've talked about his splits. His his numbers were really really far down compared to April. April he does it every year. I, I said it. I yeah. warned people like this. Let's <laughs> let's compare the stats. Let's compare his stats in uh, at the end of May. And in fact, here let's look at him again. He just. I don't know. It, He's an early something happens. Hitter. Something. Yeah. He flips the switch on when the season starts. Prove his haters out. wrong that his wife sees on Twitter, and then, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and then, and then, and then in May, um, the switch maybe starts to switch off, and it's a small, gradual process. In the last seven yeah. days. I don't think it's bringing into account of today's game, uh, but he's hitting .091 in the last seven days. Uh, in the last 14 days, he's hitting .222. Last 28 days, it's .242. So you see the numbers are going up as, as, the, as the days you know, <laughs> increase the last days because he's seems like he's getting worse. The last seven days, his – what is SOPS plus? Uh, split relative to the league split. Okay, I have no idea. That's that's too much. Maybe we can ask Evan, who is going to Cal. Maybe we'll ask him about that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. These. Okay. Let's just go with. No, they don't even have OPS plus up on here. Anyway, the last. All you really need to know. I. I mean, He's batting average. Yeah. It's. It's not. The most important thing anymore. But he has two hits in his last. 23 at bats or 23 plate appearances in the last seven days, uh, not including, I don't think it's including. Um, so there you go. 
And he had a double today that was like two inches from going foul. Yeah, he didn't even know it was fair. He, he looked at the box. He thought it was going to be foul, I think. Yeah. I think Yelich did too. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we talked about their – I mean, anything else? I mean, Rodgers, obviously, he's fine. There's not a whole yeah. lot to talk about there. Um, how about Manny? Uh, Manny Machado. Okay. This is, I have it on tape. Okay. This is a little bit of a joke, but I have it on tape here. Manny Machado, when he comes up to the plate in Milwaukee, this series, this is what happened. Did you hit the thing on your soundboard? Yep. Uh, I got the, I got a boo sound on my soundboard. That's pretty much, oh I mean, God. it was loud. Like you could tell it today. It was loud or it's crazy, it was yeah. louder than the last few days. Um, and there were fans chanting over in the stands. It's like, okay, so the guy's not allowed to go over one day. Um, yeah. The only thing that mattered was that your team is losing and you're chanting over at a guy that you're still mad at that from what was it three when was that 2018 or something 18 19 yeah yeah his last there's one year the last or the season the half season he had with the dodgers where he stepped on jesus aguilar's ankle okay i i don't condone that um no but he's not the same guy he's not definitely matured he's not on the dodgers anymore just that's what did it to him yeah i guess just relax you know yeah i don't know there was a big boost like it felt like outer boost than what dodger stadium does to him so that was that was really really weird um but i did want to mention that he uh he he fed off those boos in what i think the second and third game of the series he had a diving play down the line he yes. had a home run on Friday, the Musgrove game. He had an extra base hit, I think, yesterday. I Double. forget what he did today, but um, he made he made a good bare hand play that Hosmer couldn't pick. I put that up on the Twitter. Uh, people were like, "Yeah, way to go, Hos, picking the ball, trying to pick the ball with your eyes closed." We touched on that. Uh, my mom says, yeah. I like the odd Let's Go Padres we could hear over the TV. There were some fans there, yeah. There were pretty good, um, now, yeah. And that's been the case pretty much this year. I think that fa- just fans have shown up. Um, you know, when Tatis is is there, it's kind of like the Steph Curry effect. There's more Warriors fans in NBA arenas. Um, yeah. For anyone that doesn't know, I worked for an NBA team in New York, so... I was there when Steph was there, and it, it's just different. Pre-game, there's no one there usually. When he was in the building, it was packed. So mm-hmm. it's just different. And that's probably the Tatis effect with the Padres. There's more fans probably road games when Tatis is there being Padre fans. There may be just Tatis fans, kind of how in the NBA it's you just follow the player. Um, so that, but, but with that said, no Tatis. I mean, fans have showed up so yeah definitely um it's it's yeah, been they're... sold out multiple times at home and even on the road i was up at uh it's just a side story i wanted to add on to that um while we're on the topic uh i was at angel stadium a, a little while ago a couple yeah weeks talk ago. about the angels a's game 
it, it you have Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. I, I get I get they're playing the A's. A's are awful, right? There's I can't name one person on that team besides I can name their manager. I can name yeah. their manager. Here, my mom would like this. Mark Kotze went to Cal State Fullerton. There Former Padres bench coach or hitting coach? I don't remember. Me and you, remember, yeah. we met him on the field. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Glad he got a shot with the A's. You know, they're awful. They're not the worst team in the league record-wise. There's a positive for them. But Angels fans don't show up for some odd reason. I was there. I was pumped to see, you know, a team that wasn't the Padres because, you know, I'm always there, right? Um but I had in this in my section, I had I think I, I had three or in my image just in my row, I think I had three Padre fans sitting next to me and they asked me, they were like, Hey, you guys here to see Mike Trout too? And I was like, Yeah. And I was like, Are you guys just not Angel fans or something? They're like, Yeah, no, we're Padre fans too. I was like, Oh, so th- this team travels for they're all over. No, they they're without even without Tatis, they're all over. Padre fans are in full swing in every stadium, it seems like, um, and especially when the Padres are on the road. I just, I just wanted to put that out there. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, it's been good. There's been there's been a, a lot of support for the Padres as they've gotten better. I think fans have been prouder to show out. Like, yeah, of course you're you're gonna find the bandwagon fans and the Tatis fans, not necessarily Padre fans, oh, yeah. uh, but that's that's still good news for the diehard fans because that means that we have a player that's a generational talent that fans are willing to do that and yeah. say, yeah, Hey, yeah, I'm maybe I'm not a full Padres fan, but I'm a Tatis fan. And that's why I'm showing up. You know, it's not like you didn't have people showing up to city field or minute Maid park like last year uh, and saying, or in 2016 and being like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a Will Myers fan. Let me support this Will Myers jersey and all that. Like that, that that didn't happen. Yeah, you know? uh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, just a difference. Um, all right, let's preview. So the Padres, thirty three and twenty one right now. I think they're a third of the way through the season now. Pitching's great. Uh, yeah. Starting pitching's great. Let me starting pitching specifically. The closer's been great. I know. I'm still saying great you know, even with a couple bad games, like he's, that's still great. Um, yeah. You can make mistakes. Yeah. Manny MVP Gore rookie of the year so far. They have, they've had a lot of positives and this is the majority of the season being without Cronenworth playing amazing um, with Hosmer declining with Nola, not really doing much with, Boy, Trace Thompson really being in there for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, with Will Myers being hurt a couple times. With Bob Melvin being sidelined for uh, pretty much a full road trip. Mm-hmm. With, I mean, I'm just saying with. I just keep saying with. Uh, I, I just kept trying to find different things that maybe haven't gone great. But at the same time, they're 33 and 21. So I like where they're at. Now, these next three games, Mets come into town 36 and 19 or what they are right now. Yeah, they're good. Uh, the Dodger game's over, right? No, they're in the Is eighth it? inning. Yeah, I thought it was Wait, still gone. Hang on, hang on. Let me reload the page. I think, yeah, they're in the eighth inning still. Okay. 
Mets are up three to two. So let's say they're 37 and 19. Padres right now 33 and 21. Carlos Carrasco on the mound tomorrow. Blake Snow on the mound for the Padres. Uh, good luck for anyone going to the game tomorrow. Let's see how Snell does. Um, when I went that Milwaukee game, the Manny Bobblehead day, he pitched good. Uh, he, he wasn't throwing a lot of balls in the dirt. And I'm liking what I'm seeing out of him, you know, as of late and compared to that Philadelphia start. Mm -hmm. uh, and then with Carrasco, he has a 3.63 ERA right now, 51 strikeouts. Um, Nomar Mazzara, looking at the numbers, it would be a right on left matchup if Mazzara plays tomorrow. He's hitting 375 off of Carrasco in his career. That was probably with Texas when Mazzara was better than probably a lot of other hitters in the American League. I mean, he was really good then. It was good. Yeah. Um, but still, he, he's, he has a good history against him. That's at 640. Another one at 640 on uh, Tuesday. Darvish on the mound against Taiwan Walker. No Dar or excuse me, Noah DeGrom, no Scherzer for the Mets. Well, so the, the Padres get a break there. Taiwan Walker, though, has a 288 ERA. Darvish, the ERA is inflated, so I'm not even going to say it uh, because of that bad giant start, but he's been tremendous yeah. the last you know couple times uh, out. And then on uh, Wednesday, that is also at 640. Usually it's a day game, but it's also at 640. Padres have a day off, I think, Thursday. Wednesday, uh, Chris Bassett for the Mets, three seven four ERA, and then and then Shamanaya. So the Padres definitely, I think, should win this series. They have a good chance to win it based on the pitching matchups. And I mean, I don't even think that's fair to say anymore. Like based on the pitching matchups, they have a chance to win it because if we're basing it on that, like we've done in the past, because that's usually what you do, just looking mm -hmm. at previews and stuff. Right now, the Padres rotation, okay, they should win every freaking series that they play then because of how good the rotation is uh well, they should seems to help them out yeah um so it's really just based on if the offense can continue how they've done the last two games um because i don't think you're going to shut out the mets offense Not all there. three games like uh it looked like they could have shut out the brewers these last three games shut them out on friday and saturday and then allowed yeah. uh four runs today but it was a low run total through uh, before, excuse me, before that Wong home run. So the pitching, yeah, you're going to give up some runs to the Mets. Alonzo's been playing well. Mm -hmm. I think he has, I thought I saw he has like 16 home runs or something like that. Lindor, I think, is playing better. Um, who else they got? Starling Marte, Jeff McNeil, Brandon Nimmo. Uh, it's a good team, and with Buck Showalter, I mean, this is a like Hall of Fame manager yeah. matchup. Showalter and Melvin. Melvin, yeah. I mean, you're not watching the managers, but for a series, it'll be a fun series to watch. You know? Yeah, 100. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think it will. I think it'll be a low scoring kind of uh, series, a short three game series. Um, hoping the Padres can at least get two out of three. Uh, especially with Darvish and Manaya on the bumps, and especially with, uh, as you said, no DeGrom Scherzer, I feel like we're at a, a better advantage than we would have been. Um, I just, I, I think that at the end of the day, it comes down to if the offense can supply runs with uh, how well the pitchers pitch. Because yeah. the Mets are going to score. We, we just got to, 
we're going to have to score more. Or, well, obviously we're going to have to score more, but we're going to have to score more than we have been, I think. Right. All right, I look on uh, the Twitter. The Twitter, I've heard old people kind of say that. The Twitter. Um, ben the Pod, The, the uh, Padres uh, Twitter account. I guess they put out the pictures of the road trip or going back home. Yep. Let's see what they're wearing today. Here. Interesting fits so far. You guys can see it? Okay. Um, so, Hosmer, what are you wearing? A red so nice, and blue uh, plaid shirt. it looks like. Yeah. I can't zoom in. It's so dumb. I can't zoom in. Uh, Alfaro has a Gatorade cup, couple Gatorade cups. Manny's in his Got Jordans. I, not a fan of Hosmer's shirt. I have no idea what that is. Um, maybe, I, maybe I'm not cool. Uh, Clev, that's just who Clev is. Um, that's sunshine right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I can't really criticize him. Um, that that's just who he is. He's Hopefully got the, the Gatorade cups. Luke Voigt. What is he? Is that's that Luke Voigt? Yeah. Is that's... that a what kind of look is that? I is that is uh, I'm that very uh... hipster vibes from this. Uh, the tight white shirt is throwing me off a little bit. Um, I can see absolutely everything on his chest <laughs> right here. Um, the pink shoes kind of giving it off too. I feel like he could have gone with maybe a a simple, maybe black and white shoe. Um, and the skinny jeans also not not a. <laughs> Not a look for me, in my opinion. Yeah. Not, not is really it? Uh, are those Top Gun six. sunglasses? I have never seen that, so I, I don't know. But he's got the aviators on. He just watched Maverick this weekend. Um, and then Crony, okay. he he likes no using the side duffel bag. Yeah. Maybe I need to brighten right. my screen. Hold on. There we go. Okay. There we go. Mania kind of in a bowling shirt, it looks like. An, an off kind of looks weird, like he really sewed bowling shirt. Is that Peter Seidler's money there in that briefcase that he's holding for Joe Musgrove? Deliver it to Joe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. That's. Do you know the they, Potters are, they... are really strong, or are they just like wearing tight clothes? Because I'm seeing a lot of everything just up here. I'm noticing right on the chest. It's just. I, I don't like ripped jeans. I don't even wear jeans. I'm more of a sweats guy. So um, whatever. Uh, with Hassan Kim. Yeah. Profar looks good. Simple. Darvish. Darvish. Kind of wing, stepping out. With what, what does that say? Wing Anzer. Uh, found at the local H&M. Is that a what hat is that? I think that's is that the fighters the play is that the Japanese team or something the team maybe that's the team they used to play for. Oh uh, yeah, I thought it was a from my screen right here. It looks like a P. And you know, I, I like Snell's fits. Um, I'm I'm really liking the Cactus Jack shoes on the bottom for everyone that's you know into sneakers. Um, it's just simple, something light, comfortable. I don't really like the. The color of the jeans, I'd say. I'd, I would go with the basic. I think navy blue, but uh, give it a give it an eight out of ten, Blake. Hopefully, you can pitch like that too. <laughs> uh, okay, hold on one second. Let me look through the Padres' Twitter and see if they've uploaded Polaroids or anything. 
Yeah, okay, here it is. I just don't want to share my screen if if they haven't uploaded anything. Okay, here it is. This is at the Cronoworth Homer after the Cronoworth home run. Are they doing a oh, tunnel fire. or something? Is that like the what oh, is like that? after the is, games, yeah. Is that after soccer Ooh. games that they do that? Yeah. Like when we were kids? You'd run through it, yeah. That's pretty cool. I like that. They got they, at the end of the year they gotta put all those out like yeah. in, in chronological order and see what they got. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, they put out guess who? Jumbo Slash Jake Bunworth. Yeah. All right. What are we doing? That's what uh D V D Pash asked. Well, just I wasn't planning on doing this, but Jacob's here and he's more of a fashion person than I am. So I just decided to uh, pull those up and let's see how that is. He, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Jacob, he uh, has a ton, tons of hats now. And how many shoes do you have? Uh, right now, I, I haven't really gone too hard into shoes because of uh how expensive they are and you know i am still in college paying for college um so i would i only have six right now i would say but that's over like a period of two three years um i did just buy a pair actually uh but i mean something simple you know i'm not going crazy like blake probably is <laughs> well i mean okay he, he probably has a room dedicated oh, to them yeah so we got tons more money too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure my roommate at St. John's isn't listening. Um, but I think when we counted before I moved out, he had 20 pairs of shoes. Yeah. That's something that's like that. Some of them were in drawers. Some of them were in like cabinets and I, there were some at the end of the semester they pulled out, and it's like, I've never seen you wear these before. I had my yeah. basketball shoes for my job. I had my running shoes that had a hole in them because that, that's just more. my mom said, I'm buying you new shoes. Um, that's, just, that's just the way I've always been, I guess. I just get comfortable with them. Uh, I had the dress shoes in case I needed to do something. That was it. No, I had snowshoes or whatever you call them. Um, oh, you live in New York, yeah. That that was it. Um, but yeah, I'm sure Snell, who has the biggest shoe, and Manny might have the biggest shoe collection. I don't know. It might uh, be I, Snell and Manny. I'm, I'm gonna have to go with Snell just because, um, you know, I'm on Instagram a lot. I I see uh, a lot. He posts a lot of his shoes or in his outfits because he likes to, you know, take little portrait photos of himself i guess like little photo shoots or whatever he's got all the the hype beast kind of shoes he i think i'm gonna have to go with snow but i do think manny has it just because of you know he's got all that money he's probably spending it on a lot on shoes but snow's definitely got the crown in my opinion yeah for sure all right any last questions in the chat well what should we talk about before that before anyone asks us anything else uh the Dodgers, is that game over yet? Let me see. Uh, it's eighth inning still, four to two Mets. Let's go Mets. LFGM. Until tomorrow. 
Oh yeah, obviously. <laughs> Walker Bueller is like getting owned his last couple starts. Oh, that's that's always fun to see. I heard Looking one reporter say, I think it was a uh, Mets reporter, so he probably wasn't watching Bueller's last start with the Pirates, where Tukapita Marcano hit a home run off of him. He was like, yeah, "It's just a bad day off a of walk. Uh, just a bad day for Walker Bueller." No, it's been happening actually, buddy. It's been act- it's happening uh, pretty frequently these last few yeah. starts. So that's nice to see. Um, elsewhere in the standings, past Memorial Day, so I think it's fine to look at standings. Um, in the AL, Yankees are in first. Minnesota's in first in the Central. That division sucks. The second place team in the Central's below five hundred. Uh, and the West, the West, kind of also sucks as well. Uh, Houston's the only team over five hundred there. That's crazy. I went. Well, that's that's crazy in my opinion. The, the Angels started off pretty good. Mets are yeah, eight games up. They're eight games up on the Braves as we speak. That division's oh, kind of bad. The Braves got off uh, to a slow start too. Got yeah. Really well, bad. Girardi was fired by the Phillies, obviously. Mm-hmm. They're three zero uh, with their uh, their new guy, though. I guess uh, I'm not sure. Rob who Thompson, who isn't new. Yeah. yeah. I, again, I I've never understood when someone gets fired and the president of baseball ops or the GM says. Let's bring in a new voice. I think we need a new voice. And they bring in, they just have the interim bench coach move yeah, to the manager's like, office. That's what, yeah. That's not a new voice. He's been And then there. they're like, oh, there. Rob Thompson, you know, the Phillies are winning. Rob Thompson, maybe he's uh, having a big influence. He was there before. Yeah. I don't know. I don't get that. Um, Cincinnati, remember when they were like three and 22? They're 18 and 25 oh, now. They had a hot streak there for a second. Yeah, uh, Milwaukee's in first there. St. Louis, I think, is playing right now on Sunday Night Baseball, so they are. That might change if St. Louis wins tonight. I think against the Cubs, mm-hmm. and then in the National League West, Colorado's in last place already, twelve and a half games back of the Dodgers. Arizona is twenty six and twenty nine. They're ten games back. San Francisco is twenty nine and twenty four. They are six games back, and then we're obviously thirty three and twenty one. And hopefully we'll be two games back if the Mets can finish off the Dodgers. Dodgers are 35-18 and 18 before the end of this Sunday game that they're playing right now against the Mets. So that's the standings for every uh, division. I don't see any other questions, so I think this will be it. Anything else yeah. to add? Go Padres. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a good ending. I think we'll end with that again. This has been episode 178 of the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. Jacob uh, is back for today. We'll see. Maybe he'll be sick and tired of me. Uh, We'll see. Uh, Probably. I'm your host, Ben Fadden. Jacob Zimmerman with me, signing off. Let's go Padres. We'll be back. I'll be back for the pregame show tomorrow. Padres Mets starting up. Have a good Sunday night, everyone, and we'll see you later.